Peanut water crunch. I eat, eat my candy snack. Let's put some pillows. Some pillows behind me. Trying to get comfy. Yeah. Well, it gets me closer to the mic, so. I am currently limited by the uh, length of the cord to the computer. Right, hold on, hold on. For just the mic? Well, the USB cord. Yeah. Yeah. I got to upgrade to that XLR mic. Nah, I'm just going to get a USB hub. Make it a longer distance. Oh, never going to get you to get a different mic. Yeah, well, maybe someday. I got to buy a new <laughs> video card first. Oh, my stamina's ref- replenished. David Crosby died. Um, That's a transition. Very sad. I'm just looking at my phone, you know. Your stamina for what? That's <laughs> a terrible mobile game. No. Well, as well as merging games, you know. Oh God. This, uh, you know, this one's not been actually gross yet, so uh, I'm not going to recommend it. I'm not going to actually say the title because you know what? I don't know what it is. It's something That's with, fair. something with merging the title. I've still been playing Marvel Snap quite a bit. I feel like I didn't pour myself enough wine for this. <laughs> Why? I'm already halfway gone for what I poured. Oh yeah. Well, don't get don't get too drunk. No, I'll just drink this because that is actually I can't drink during these like you can half the time because the first thing that always goes even before I'm drunk is my speech. Yeah. I'm so weird. You lose your voice. I just slur my words too quickly. Yeah, I slur mine while sober, so it doesn't make much of a difference. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we, do you do you have any idea who read the thing last time? No, no, I don't. I'll do it. Okay. I think we were splitting it now anyway. I think you might have read the first part and then I did the second part, or I right. did the first part, you did the second part. Whatever happens, uh, I'll almost certainly remember to read it next time if you remember this time. Sure. Welcome to episode 14 of 90 Schmaltz, where two guys do a belly flop on the shows we grew up watching, from after-school specials, TGI Friday, and Saturday morning cartoons. We talk about nostalgia, bad acting, and why these shows were radical. On this podcast, we take our media topic and briefly cover production, cast, and filming. Then we watch and talk about the top and bottom rated episodes of the series. Then we hopefully share some additional fun facts and maybe even talk about related merchandise and toys before we rate the series out of 15. You can find us at www.90schmaltz.cool. You can email us at 90schmaltz at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you. And uh, rate us if you're actually enjoying what you're listening to on anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Smash that bell. We don't have a YouTube, so that's not going to work. I have, This is my dark confession. is I don't think I've ever actually liked or rated a podcast, so I guess I should do that. I don't even know how you I do it. In any of the, exactly the same. I don't any think. of the things I've used. I, I listened to like nine or 12 of them, and I don't think I've ever rated one. God, I'm a, I'm a freeloading jerk. <laughs> I bought, uh, I no, I, I Patreoned a couple, so. Oh, there you go. You've yeah. done more than me. That's, I think the best I've ever done is maybe subscribe to somebody on Twitch for a bit. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've, I've done like Patreon for, I think, like three or four. I, I fell off a couple of them, though. It's so, after a while, you just get tired of listening to people talk, which I'm sure 
is pretty normal. Don't do that to us, though, listener. We're fantastic. If you, if you do it, you're a bad person. So it's been kind of wishy-washy uh, with the holiday and me going through class again. I'll say, uh, what hey, is new? I'm, I'm Ned. Oh, yeah. Do it again. I'm Ned. And I'm Jeff. What's new, Jeff? <laughs> well, it's been a lot since really our recording. I was going through and looking the last time we recorded, and it was pre-Christmas. Yeah, it was the Babes in Toyland. Yep, that was our last recording, and we haven't had much else going on, unfortunately, because I finished class right before Babes in Toyland, and then the holidays happened, so we are a little behind on that. But I think at this point, we'll, we've said it in the past, and I don't even know if we posted that episode that we'll be getting back on task, but we are going to be getting back on task because I have one class left for my master's, and then we are done. Yeah, and we have recordings, so it's just we just we need just to actually edit. edit them, yeah. And we have a special episode with a guest that's going to be awesome, but there's like three hours worth of stuff to edit through. Yeah, we couldn't stop talking. The puppy is five months old now. That's good. And I finally got a car, which was a miserable experience at the how end much, of the year. How much over sticker did you pay? I did not pay a single cent over sticker. Great. I paid MSRP. Thank you, Toyota of the northern area of which i live <laughs> northern marianas islands i tried so hard to find a used car because i just wanted to pay flat out and i could not find anything that made any sense money wise people were asking for like fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars for a 2015 with sixty five thousand plus miles on it i mean isn't it this is a lot of it is because Carvana was buying cars for ridiculous prices, and now they're bankrupt. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, not so, quite, but they're close enough. Yeah. Yeah, the market's coming through. It's just, it ended up so flooded at this point that the, what they're announcing that it's already dropping at this point. And my brother needs to sell his used car um, that he just purchased. Should have done it a year ago. Well, he had to finish out his lease. Mm. It just finished in November. But then he had to go through the December process of buying the car, essentially. Yeah. And then he had to put one payment on it before he could then sell it. Got it. So I'm hoping that he'll get it done soon, but he likes to put things off. So we'll see. Tell him to do the Carvana thing if they're still buying. <laughs> they because actually it was, offered him it was, a good price around the corner. Uh, like, no wonder they're in a, in a mess because, like, they they my friend did it and they just were like, okay, here's $10,000. Uh, thanks. Thanks for the car. They didn't even bother to turn it on before handing over the check. Did not check the condition or anything or ever get back in touch with them. I don't know. They had to have made money off of that. Because even when I was looking at the end of the year, they would have things pop up and then they would be sold. But I guess it's the internet. It might have been fake. What, and, or they were just selling them to people who were hoping to flip them. It's possible too, yeah. Just people trading the same things back and forth. I don't, I don't trust, speaking of video game prices, I don't trust the auction prices of most Super Nintendo games. Mm-mm. I'm absolutely not trying to build a collection of any of that nonsense, but there's still a couple I'd like to own. But on the other hand, you're flooded with... <laughs> I was looking on eBay and there were uh, like reproduction carts. People were making carts and then like reproduction and trying to charge $45 or something for it and saying, rare reproduction. Rare reproduction, yeah. wow. Uh, and... Oh, it's it's something, man. It was it was like one one was it was in the 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 plastic case graded graded reproduction cart of like a ROM hack. 
Of, of course it's near mint. You just made it. <laughs> Pe- just... People are buying these things. <laughs> people buy weird things. What are we talking about today? Well, I guess I didn't give anything in my life because no, nothing's happening. So Nothing at all. You're finally recording on your couch. Yeah, I reoriented my room. I've got my room set up now. This is my media room. I've removed the full-time desk. I can remote into my with my work computer to my my PC down here. So I can remote in at my actual productivity desk upstairs uh, when I want to do podcast editing or like buy flights and pay bills and stuff. I can remote in from my work computer and work on my computer with the widescreen monitor at the standing desk. And then so if I come down here, the only thing I need to use a computer for is for fun things. So I've got a little desk that I can pull out away from the wall and put a keyboard and a mouse on. Uh, I've got a monitor stand. I'll probably get a second monitor stand. Uh, and I need to get a light and camera stand for streaming because I want to start streaming again. Yeah. Yeah. We seem to have fun. Give me a reason to like play through them for longer than 10 minutes at a time to actually give them a try. Especially because you always are such a wealth of knowledge as you're playing through the damn game. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about the Pirates of Dark Water. The alien world of Myrrh is being devoured by Dark Water. Only Ren, a young prince, can stop it by finding the lost 13 treasures of war. The series released on Monday, February 25th, 1991, and ran over two seasons, or 21 episodes, until May 23rd, 1993. The television series itself aired first on ABC, then in syndication. The show first premiered as a five-part miniseries titled Dark Water on Fox Kids in 1991, and these episodes were eventually later retooled and animated, which were then rebroadcast as the TV series later in 1991 on ABC. Uh, The Pirates of Dark Water was a Hanna-Barbera-produced animated American television series created by David Kishner. Kishner also created Feifel's American Tales. Uh, He was a story writer on Hocus Pocus. Uh, The man's got some credits to his name. The series itself is set within the fictitious world of Myrrh, where the world is being devoured by dark water and only a young prince named Ren can stop the dark water by finding the last 13 treasures of rule. Ren sets out on an adventure with his unlikely but loyal crew of misfits. The Ecomancer Tula, a monkey bird Nindler, and a treasure-hungry pirate Ayaz. However, no grand adventure would be complete without the bad guy, and to save the world, Ren will have to race the evil pirate Lord Bloth, who will stop at nothing to get the treasures for himself. Man, I loved this as a kid. You remember this show? Yeah, I I loved this show as a kid. I was always excited to watch this on Cartoon Network when we came home from school. I remember the I thought it was a silly name and that's what I remember about it. I never watched it. It's a, it was uh, a funny it was a funny name that I like to say and make jokes about, you know, like I watched this whole series. I I can remember most of these episodes. Well, good. Do you remember where you watched it? Yeah, so they would watch this I was in grade school, and I think at the time we were going to my grandmother's. Uh, we may even have been living with her when we, our new house was being made at the time. But she 
had in her room like a chair and that's where I watched television because my great aunt was usually watching television in like the main room or whatever it was. So I got to watch my TV shows upstairs with nobody bugging me. And I remember watching this and Pokemon. Yeah, because this was in syndication for a while. Oh, yeah. Because when it started, I was pretty young. That's on my... 1991 is on the earlier end of my things I actually remember, so... And then you talk about Pokemon, that's 97, so... I was probably watching this in, like, 96, 97, 98, somewhere in there, because it would have been, like, 6th grade. So I think it was 97, 98. We got a VHS. We do have a VHS back. And this looks like like it must have come from a rental store or something, and they cut it out and put it on the, the big black generic VHS thing, or maybe not, who knows? This has got to be like the the miniseries all combined together. That is what I believe it was. It was an eBay listing. All right, we got it back. I'll say each all caps thing I will say as if it was uh, all caps. Sail alien seas on a voyage into unearthly adventure in this feature-length swashbuckling sci-fi odyssey from the creator of the animated hit An American Tale. Sure. On the ocean-covered planet of Murr, the once-glorious kingdom of Octopon is under siege by a vile pirate giant named Bloth. Bloth? Bloth. Bloth. And his crew of inhuman marauders, only the dashing Prince Ren can save his ravaged realm from Bloth's attacks. They're not capitalized. <laughs> Bloth is. Not the second time. Yeah, it is. Oh, you're reading... You're actually reading it <laughs> oh, yeah. in that... <laughs> Format? Oh, my God. So the back of this VHS, it has a very difficult to read. Um, it's kind of arabesque. Uh, maybe like like the, the title from the Banner Saga? Kind of, but they also took the picture in a way in which the top is bigger than the bottom. Yeah, it's a, of it's like a bad Instead of doing picture. the right angle. <laughs> but I've got this. But to regain his throne, Ren must embark on a danger-filled quest to gather 13 legendary treasures. Assisting the young hero for their own secret reasons are the ravishing adventuress Tula, the warrior Ayaz, and Niddler, <laughs> friendly monkey bird. Guided by a mystical compass, Ren and his allies journey through a world of pitched sea battles, alien intrigues, and incredible seagoing exploits. Set your course for adventures beyond your wildest imaginings in the Pirates of Darkwater. Color, approximately running time, 90 minutes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's a feature length. I, it's interesting as an approximate running time. Did they not check before printing? Like, they <laughs> do do VCRs have different speeds? I don't think so. No, you could record at different speeds. Because I remember you could you could set the VHS to record in one of three speeds, and it would change the quality and the I length that you that. could record. But uh, that wouldn't you couldn't play back. I mean, if, if you played it at slow motion, it's gonna last three hundred and seventy eight minutes. And the animation jumps would uh, be really annoying then. Yeah, you'd see every detail. What else could you be watching? Well, unfortunately, this is the first time I've come up with a complete blank here. There was no TV guides on archive.org. I couldn't find any in my very small but growing collection of TV guides. But I will talk about the uh, syndicated block it was in for season two once we get there. This is another Hanna-Barbera joint. Maybe we accidentally did two Hanna-Barbera cartoons in a row. Zoinks! We totally did. Uh, but that's fine. Uh, this is animated by Hanna-Barbera and their Phil Cartoons Philippine affiliate studio. And apparently several other overseas animation companies, which uh, I'll have more to say about later probably. But there's a lot of hands in this pot. 
the broadcast schedule, the initial miniseries was broadcast on weekday afternoons, February 25th through March 1st on Fox. And the rest of season one was broadcast later that year on Saturday mornings on ABC. And for season two, it moved to Sundays where it was in a syndicated block called the Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera, which I don't recall at all. No, neither do I. But when I look through the some of the shows that were on it, I know I've seen some of these shows. And it's possible, I think some of these things did end up on Cartoon probably Network. syndication, right? Some of these shows probably came back in syndication. The Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera is a uh, syndicated block that was shown mostly on independent stations. Independent, I see like an ABC of Fox. This is a good, one of my favorite Wikipedia articles for... Uh, something like this is it actually has a list of all the affiliates who ran it and uh, started in 85 went till I think they've got like 1994 that block actually ran for that long that's what I say it's a Sunday morning block yeah I do not remember it at all yes it's a Sunday morning block which means I if it was on I almost certainly would have watched it because Sunday mornings was an absolute wasteland for sure infomercials and news but I don't remember it being an option so I wonder if it was not even... Though for Sunday morning back in the day during this period, we probably would have gone to church at that point in time. Oh, not me. Only early <laughs> in life did they take us and force us to go to church. But we got a selection of, of shows here. There's like the new Jetsons, new episodes produced from 1985 to 87. Galtar and the Golden Lance, Flintstone Kids. Ugh. <laughs> it's, oh, God. Dastardly and Muttley and their flying machines. Don Coyote and Sancho Panda I'm okay with. Richie Rich, Paddington Bear. So the interesting thing about the fantastic world of Hanna-Barbera is that a lot of these independent stations were owned by Taft Broadcasting, which was a media conglomerate that owned a bunch of independent stations, but was also the parent company of Hanna-Barbera. Oh, that's neat. All right, what do we got next? Do you want to do the music? Oh, yeah, you want to, you're good? You want to drive? Yeah, I think jump, good. We can jump into this? Okay. Yeah. Um, the music for the series was done by Thomas Chase Jones, who did the Batman animated series. He was nominated for an Emmy for it, actually. That's a good soundtrack. It's a really good soundtrack. Um, And Steve Rucker. They both worked on Adventures of Gummy Bears, I believe. The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, Dexter's Lab, Codenames Kid Next Door. Uh, Steve Rucker got a nomination, uh, an Emmy nomination for Powerpuff Girls. Nice. Um, I think the music in general for the series is actually quite good. It it all fits and flows from everything that we watched. Yeah, I liked it. Important to note that this is right before Hanna-Barbera was sold to Turner and became the core of Cartoon Network. Yeah. This show is one of the last uh, independent Hanna-Barbera prior to that merge. So. And maybe it was part of the reason why they were struggling a little bit for how much money they spent well, on this. But we'll I, get to I, that. I got a list later that kind of helped explain <laughs> that too, but... Um, our main cast, there's actually a lot of decent names. I mean, they're early or mid-career for some of these names, but uh, I'm I'm not going to go through all of them. I'll, we'll just do the the main cast itself. Um, Ren, uh, voiced by George Newbern. Charlie from the ABC, ABC show Scandal for anybody out there. Um, he was the voice of Superman for various animated DC ad- adaptations. That would have been for like the the Batman animated series time and justice and superman adventures yeah right during that period in time yeah um ayaz for season one he's voiced by hector elizondo best known chicago hope he was you know that's a lot of episodes he was dr philip waters 
Um, and then maybe for a few of the people not familiar with that, Joe from The Princess Diaries. And I bet you more people probably know him from that. Uh, it was for season two and miscellaneous. This breakdown is a little different or weird because looking at the credits on a lot of the shows and going through like IMDb or Wikipedia, um, Jim Cummings, we've talked about him enough times by now, but you know, he's Winnie the Winnie Pooh Poo himself at this point. He's been Winnie the Pooh and Tigger for God knows how long the, since the eighties. So he's miscellaneous. He plays Ayaz, uh, multiple other characters through the series. But the the credits, we I think we've come to the conclusion back to that part that I was talking about that the credits are um, show wide. So IMDb's like wrong about it, or yeah. I, it's hard to tell because. But it seems that they're showing the entire cast list for the entire series on every episode. On every episode, yeah, because uh, it's mentioning Kate Mulgrew and uh, John Rhys Davies, and those people are, and it was Brene Auberjonois who we saw. It, as far as we can see, he's only actually in one episode. Yes, and we went through, I mean, he shows on IMDb in multiples, but we were having a hard time even, like, picking him out. So either he's an amazing um, voice actor, or we were just having a hard time with it. As usual, IMDb is a user-generated source, so don't trust it. Uh, Next is Nidler. For the full series itself, he is voiced by Frank Welker. Again, a name I feel like, God, how many times have we said his name in any of these animated series? Um, my biggest fact, I'm not even going to point out what he's been in, but um, when we started our podcast, the Gargoyles episode sometime last year, Frank Welker had 872 credits. As of today, he has 895. <laughs> that man works. Uh, next, Tula, voiced by Jody Benson. That's Ariel from the 1989 Little Mermaid. Conk, voiced by Tim Curry. Dr. Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. The Butler from Clue, Long John Silver in Muppet Treasure Island. You hear that voice, I guarantee you know who that is. <laughs> Are we still laughing or have we stopped? Um, maybe if you're younger, Nigel Thornberry from The Wild Thornberries. And then Block, Bloth, voiced by Brock Peters. Um, our first Star Trek connection, because he's Admiral Cartwright in Star Trek. Six and Star Trek Four. And he's Cisco's and he's dad, Joseph Cisco. Yeah, in uh, Deep Space Nine. He's also what I thought was really cool when I was looking through his stuff. He's the voice of Darth Vader for the original radio production. As I looked up these Star Wars radio productions, I've never heard of them before. I hadn't either until this, but they sound fascinating. It's an NPR radio drama, and it's strange timing on it. They did the first one. Star Wars in 1981. They did Empire Strikes Back in 1983. This seems like pretty, you know, a couple years after the movie. You put together mm-hmm. thing. And then Return of the Jedi was 1996. That's a bit weird. That's a bit strange, yeah. I kind of I, I kind of want to find them. I, I want to listen to them. I've got the, the cast list here. It's interesting. Brock Peters as Darth Vader. Mark Hamill is doing Luke Skywalker. You got Anthony Daniels. You got some of the original cast of Star Wars in there. But when you get to... Uh, Empire Strikes Back, we get John Lithgow as Yoda. What? Yeah. Oh my god. We need to I need to find these. And then we move on to Return of the Jedi, and Jabba the Hutt is Ed Asner. Wow. And uh Ed Bagley Jr. as Boba Fett. Wow. Yeah, so it's uh it sounds like something. How bad could it be? I don't know. I NPR doesn't have it, but I'm gonna start looking to see if I can find something. Brock Peters is great. 
He's got a heck of a he voice. He is great. He's just got such a fantastic voice. Enough of this dancing about. The old man hid the 13 treasures of rule within the realm of dark water. And I mean to have them. I like the Caribbean lilt that he has going on in the voice. It sounds a little bit like a Monkey Island oh, for character. Yeah. 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 It's cool. He's definitely the coolest character in like voice wise in the whole show. Yeah. Uh, Mantis, we did not get to listen to Mantis in our episodes, but uh, Peter Cullen, uh, who's Optimus Prime, yeah, uh, voices him. Any awards for this one? Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, we have some people in here who you know have awards themselves, but nothing specific to the show. All right, let's get to the episodes. Let's do it. It's episode time. How do we pick the episodes? That's your job. How do we pick these episodes? Tell me. Highest to lowest, like we always do. We use episoderatings.com. All right. The best episode, season one, episode six. This was a three-way tie we picked. I think I tried to pick one that wasn't in the miniseries. You did pick one just outside, which worked out perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I thought picking that first one would be episode three or something like that, and that was a bad choice. And the other one was in season two, and we shouldn't do... We want to spread them out. So we picked season one, episode six, which if you look on IMDb, broken into three seasons, there aren't, there's only two, um, because anything that we see now at this point is not part of the miniseries. It's part of the TV series. Uh, The title of the episode is Andorus. Directed by Don Lusk and Paul Summer. Written by Peter Lawrence, Lauren Bright, and Christina Lucky. And I think Peter Lawrence and Lauren Bright did the story and it's written by christina lucky got it Uh, it comes on the front of the i saw it when we watched it but the original information is pulled from imdb synopsis ren and the crew stop to gather supplies with Terran still in tow while tula shows signs of being an echomancer it's not an ecomancer right echomancer Echomancer. it's ecomancer do they they say echomancer though right I, I thought they said eco. Maybe it's ecomancer. And I'm, I just don't know how to spell things. Uh, no, you're uh, you spelled it correctly. I just thought I thought it was ecomancer, and I thought they said something different, so I was surprised. But maybe I'm maybe I just can't. Oh, remember. you know what? It's technically a made up word, which is why it's yeah, it's not real. Me. Oh, <laughs> uh, with you saying it and me seeing the red underline, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Bloth sends his men and Conk to capture Teron, but during the pursuit, they wind up in Andorus. It is then revealed that Andorus is the homeland of Tula and Teron. A land destroyed by dark water and the blight. Taron and Tula use their powers to ser- restore the island, but something evil is around and guarding one of the treasures. Ren then goes in search of treasure and fights the blight, allowing the island to thrive. What an episode. Yeah, it's an episode. It's a lot of stuff crammed into 23 minutes yeah. in this episode. Like, a lot of information, a lot of story, a lot of background, a lot of world building. Like, they went for it on this episode. Uh, not quite sure on the next one, but we'll get to that part, too. Well, and, I'm, and I just have a, a, a note, my note here, it says I wrote down Egomancer, like as a joke about waffles, so they definitely call it an Echomancer. <laughs> I'm just uh, confirming. Maybe they do. Go back and, and listen to it real quick. Nah, I don't feel like it. All right, fair enough. Let's talk about the episode. Yeah. So, immediately, what else did we watch in Animated Wise? We watched Exo Squad, Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. Rocco's Modern Life, Gargoyles. Recess. Recess. So I think this is the most inconsistently animated show by far. Even more, Exosquad has a lot of inconsistencies, but I think this one is more jarring moment to moment 
there's a lot going on with the animation. Yeah, like, it looks are, so good sometimes. It does, and you know what? I have so my first notes. This cinematic intro where they like pan down and then Ren like scurries down a rope in the process and stuff like that with the music. It's like it's a cool intro. Yeah. Uh, and then they start talking to each other and like moving. If if this was just a show of stills, I bet you it would look amazing. Yeah. Backgrounds have detail. Each cell, even the you, the stuff they wear is complicated. It's intricate. Mm-hmm. And then they move them. There's sometimes the close-ups where it looks like, you know, they could just be ripped out of a, an episode of the Herculoids or hanging out with Birdman. Uh, it looks like a Hanna-Barbera character from 20 years older than the show is at yeah times. it's i mean there are times when that johnny quest episode we watched from the 1960s <laughs> 60s looked better than this yeah it was more consistent than this there are times where when they take the the cell pictures uh-huh. to actually go through it they are not lining them up correctly yeah so there's like it things are moving things are bending the special effect that they've drawn doesn't match up to the background. Yeah. It's weird. I don't want to harp on it too much because I think it's unfair also somewhat. it's it's. I'm watching Old Ninja Turtles and it looks pretty garbo moment to moment. <laughs> this show was expensive, though. Yeah, it was expensive. It shows the rot of Western cheap animation. They got it right for Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. That looks really good throughout. But they also spent a lot of money on that. They spent money on this one and they spent a lot of money on Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. And to, I mean, animation during this time period, you had to spend the money on it to actually have it be good because there's no computers. Or you had to stylize it. Well, no, actually, they, apparently, the, Hanna-Barbera was one of the pioneers of digital animation and was probably doing digital Flash-style animation for some of this stuff. For this stuff? In 1991? They, they had begun to demonstrate it in the 70s. Wow, that's cool. So, I don't know. I can't say for sure that they did on this one. The other problem with this one is that I think there was just a lot of hands in the pot. They were... Yeah, per studio, because there were a lot of studios. There were at least six or seven studios, uh, most of them overseas, which is like, not to say that they can't do good, but it's more difficult. You get something back, and then you're like, oh, this doesn't look the way I want it to, and then you got to send it back. So, it's understandable, but it's it's too bad, because it does a disservice to... It makes it tough to watch coming back to it, because... Shows just a couple of years later, like Dexter's Laboratory, Rugrats, things that started to stylized animation or better animation, like with Gargoyles and the DuckTales, looks really good in a way that this doesn't. Disney always took a slightly different approach to that stuff because they would stylize it, as you're saying, instead of trying to go for this more realistic, weird... You see some of the stuff that they they're trying to avoid it for the most part, where, you know, Scooby-Doo, where you could tell something was going to happen with something because it looked different. With oh, everything yeah. <laughs> around it and then at one point when ren is walking over a narrow stone pathway you can see the middle just change color before it collapses down and i don't know they spend all that money but it's still got all the same problems that scooby-doo had in the 60s yeah so it's too bad and ren's eyes are all over the place they are all they are the bouncing place. around his head the faces and the heads and then like the walking and running animations it's every time things get dynamic, it gets tough. Or sometimes there's one shot in this one where it was the rope on the bridge, right? That was this one. Yep, that's this one. He's on a bridge and it starts to snap and it zooms in on the rope and the rope is just lovingly hand animated as it, as it begins to unfurl and, and snap. It looks great, yeah. And then it co- goes back to this this Herculoid Birdman looking guy <laughs> kind of looking around and his face shifting around as he does. 
Uh, there's that fight scene at the end, too, that actually is, uh, until they have the full face in it, it looks really well done. Yeah. And then he finally turns to fully face <laughs> us, and you're just like, what the fuck just happened? Why did his face <laughs> do that? So it's strange. I don't want to uh, only complain about that, but it We'll was... just leave our complaints here. We can just talk about the stories and stuff for the rest of it. Of the animated shows we've watched, this has been the most uh, kind of unfortunate sure. yeah. uh, in in its execution because they've got a lot you have to say the complicated characters like bloth has a lot going on in his face mm-hmm. he's got the gold Even eye Iroz has stuff going on yeah. with him with so all over his um outfit and whatnot he has like the most things hanging off of him and stuff but it, it just it gets ruined every time when they walk yeah move, the closer you talk. look and then now we've got all these high definition tvs we should be watching it on a vhs you know on a black and white tv yeah, if we were better room. podcasters, we would have uh, the right televisions for these things. Oh, well, no. There are things that look good when you watch them in, on modern stuff, and it's stylized stuff. That's always been the case with technology, is that if you stylize something, it looks a lot better. Well, yeah, uh, like, like wonky CGI, but with good design work behind it, looks a lot better than just someone poorly trying to recreate reality with CGI. Tron looks better than Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to use Rocco's Modern Life as an example since we covered that already. Yeah. But like Rocco holds up. And there was also a lot of strange, at least on the rip, we had a lot of strange film noise. There is a lot of film noise in this. And I wonder if it's just, this is probably pulled from a DVD. This might just be the copy they had left. Yeah. I noticed when I was watching Gundam again recently that these old shows, they didn't expect that it would ever be this high definition. So you can see, and you can see in a couple of places in this, where you could see the cell and the texture of the cell that they're uh, shooting through, like the background cell and the front ground cell. And so you can see the... Yeah, you can see that in a couple of places during this episode. In Gundam, especially in space, you could kind of see the square of the thing that they were moving farther and farther away from the camera. So you would see the actual cell moving within the background shot. I think that's what makes these f- shows a little more fun. Too. Yeah, the physicality of old animation is really cool. To move away from the animation, yes, I'll start talking do. about the, the voice work first. I guess also at the same time, we'll still talk about animation. The voice work is really well done in this. Yeah. Everybody brings it and they do a great job. And then none of the animation, like the mouth and the way it's animated actually takes away from the feeling of every conversation. Yeah, there's not a lot of mouth movement. In a lot of these characters. The only person who actually feels appropriate is Bloth. Um, just because of the way he's designed. Everybody else, because they're much more human. He's got those big blue lips. Normal human-like. It feels weird. Especially Tula's. The monkey bird doesn't really bother me as much because I'm like, oh, it's a weird cartoon character. It's a weird bird. Who yeah. cares? Uh, but when it's uh, something trying to look pretty close to a real person, and then it moves in strange ways that humans do not, and then their face jumps off for one frame. But we'll move on to the story. Yeah. <laughs> we we open up there um, looking at the episode. They just saved Tehran from the previous episode. So they have stopped and they're just gathering supplies. And Tula starts to realize or electricity starts flying out of her hands on plants and stuff. And Tehran is like, holy crap, this is great. And then somehow they're together and Conch sees them and tries to kidnap Tehran, because you know they're always being chased. Yeah, by they're Bloth gathering water party. for the plants, and somehow they get away. And Nidler flies them to a completely separate landmass, and it turns out to be Endorse. It's it's where they're from. Yeah, their home world. What a what a coincidence. Their home island, whatever you want to put it as, and it's been ravaged by dark water, 
because Tula is Echomancer, an Egomancer, Egomancer, she can help Tehran revive the the island. Yeah. And they do. And it takes like six seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't seem that hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she's attacked in her mind by whatever this curse, blithe on the island. Yeah, the evil at the center of the island. And all of that is crammed into the first seven minutes. Yeah, that's before the commercial break. <laughs> Literally before the commercial break, we get all of that stuff. And I I just could not get over how much they were trying to cram into that. I mean, there was so much just general information that we were supposed to take in that it was a little much. Yeah. And then so Ren comes and saves them. <laughs> I mean, that's how it works, right? Because... <laughs> And finds a treasure, and finds a treasure uh, on the way. They they find out that there's a treasure on the island. Yeah, uh, it's part of the reason that the blight is there. I guess it's protecting it or uh, trying to get it because you know these treasures are the only thing that can stop the dark water. So Ren goes into a hole all by himself. He's mentally guided by these two ecomancers. He fights the blight and he kills it. He kills it. Yeah, he he wins. And man, that the way the monster that he fights looks is so good. The monster's really cool. When he's defeating it, I think like it gets uh, surrounded by ropes and vines and like consumed a little mm-hmm. bit. He gets like overwhelmed by something, and it's just dynamic. It looks really good, and then there, but then there's the character of Red, and he like. Well, we can go back even be- right before he fights the blight to just to stick to the animation. This is where the cells don't line up. You remember the keyhole? Yeah, the keyhole bounces where off the, the light. It like bounces, and the light is like in the keyhole shape, but it's like several millimeters it just moves away for a out frame. of the key yeah it's very weird very very weird so ren saves it defeats the blight gets his thing and then bloth shows up yeah. why don't you file out the rest of this episode then they get in a fight he kidnaps ren and i think nidler but conk is like slowly cutting the thing and he's <laughs> got a cool like scissor, scissor knife, knife. yeah <laughs> And I appreciate Tim Curry is not doing a uh, Nigel Thornberry. There's like a volume knob for how much Tim Curry is present in some of his voice work. And yeah, he sounds doofy in this. He he does it well. Yeah, he's not all the way up. He's not skull mastering. Yes, very nuanced. It's great. Ha! The great conk. Find them all. Blood will be one happy jungle. The kidnaps Ren. They're in a wood cage and... Tula comes up and gets in a sword fight, but then throws down her sword, and then it's like, oh, she's giving up, and then she uses her powers to uh, knock him into the ocean. That's what it is. And then uh, they saved. That's it. And they ask Tehran to come with them or whatever, and he's like, no, I have something to do here. You have this Ecomancer. Yeah. And he says, you don't need me anymore. As quickly as we may be able to explain it to you, they're, they're cramming a lot into 23 minutes. It feels rushed. It feels like they're not getting to everything. Yeah, it's one of the one of the problems for me with the show is, and maybe it's, this is a function of the two episodes we picked, but one of the things I hear about this show and read about the show that people like is that it is a myth arc continuous show, and these just feel very episodic, these two episodes that we watched. They do. I mean, I guess the beginning of this one, because Tehran's here and he's here from the previous episode, right. that's nice. The second one, definitely, that is completely episodic. That's That's a filler episode. Yeah. But we'll talk about that. I hate, I got to get better at not talking ahead. I get antsy. You want to talk about the next one? Yeah, we can just jump right into are the next good? one. Okay. Season yeah, two, I episode mean, that's five. it. <laughs> Most of the gripes are animation. Season two, episode five, The Pandawa Plague. Directed by Don Lusk. Written by Glenn Leopold and Christina Lucky. Uh, when Ren and his crew were taking 
time to relax and rest in Octopon, the queen of the monkey birds flies up and asks Niddler to help save the monkey birds from the plague and to protect the egg of the future queen. Ren and Niddler fly ahead to investigate where they find most of the monkey birds have fallen. To, can you stop clicking on things? Sorry. <laughs> have fallen to the plague and have become zombie birds. When looking for the egg, Ren and Niddler discover that Joe Ten, the slaver, is behind the plague and is trying to steal the egg to further enslave the monkey birds. Yes. Every time you did that, I, your name would pop in front of the area like I'm reading it. <laughs> I do apologize. It's just, uh, you know, I did correct monkey birds. I, I do want to say, just like the other episode, though, the intro is actually not that bad. This is very, like... Um, it, like the, it's a cinematic. It, the intro is Ren standing in front of the lighthouse. It's well drawn. There's no movement. And you're just like, all right, that's pretty cool. And then the queen shows up. <laughs> and Ren jumps into the water. And all of that goes out the window. So this is a Planet of the Snarfs episode. I don't know if that's like a TV tropes term or something, but just, that's just what I said as soon as I saw it. This is the, this is the mascot having to go help all of his other mascot race yep this is 100 percent a filler episode this has no impact on any story anywhere the evil slaver is feeding them drugged melons that yes. turn them into zombies that's the whole episode and then they get like a perfume gun that unzombies them the weird like shell thing yeah i do like the the slaver is like weird roman inspired yeah he's got a big chin too oh yeah all chin. He's mostly square out of everything. And then they get to the egg and it's broken. And they're like, oh no, but that's because the new queen hatched. <laughs> or whatever. Uh, that, that That's it. I, I mean, usually we go into more detail. <laughs> it's just a bunch of monkey birds flying around. And it, the monkey bird Niddler isn't even a terrible mascot as far as mascots go in cartoons and TV. He's, he's pretty well spoken. He sounds a bit it's Frank Welker, so he sounds a bit like Fred from Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I could see it. Higher pitched. He's not tedious. He doesn't say snarf or anything like that. He makes a squeaking noise. He tends to help instead of hinder. But he does have that running trope where he's always hungry. Yeah, he always wants food. Always complaining that he has to carry somebody. I don't like the name Niddler. <laughs> it makes me think of, like, Diddler, and I don't like it. I see some mango melon trees. Uh, see you later. Um, I do like that the Minga melons are only watermelons in this episode, when in the earlier season episode we watched, they were like well-drawn, weird, alien-type fruits. A fantasy fruit, yeah. Yeah. But here they were just like, no, they're melons, I know what those are. Um, they they say this phrase, nudgetot, or whatever it is, like over and over again. So I guess by this season, we, they flushed out like miscellaneous things, because I have that written down because they say it so many times. The, the previous episode, they said by the, by the two moons or whatever it is. Yeah. And in this one, they say, no, just taught. We could learn about the two moons by reading the series Bible on piratesofdarkwater.net, <laughs> which is cool. There's some, some, these fan sites are so cool. <laughs> they really, I mean, the amount of time that some people spend on this, and they're fun to read. They're just so informative. Real neat. Oh, I will say, I don't need to say that because I'm, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say something because I'm, I don't have to tell you that I will say. Because I, I just say, uh, Exo Squad was a similar show with a continuous narrative. And one of the things Exo Squad did not do very well was that it didn't tell you what was going on or the stakes 
or uh, like what the goal was where this one does at the beginning, which is good. That's what you want to do. It's good to tell me what's happening and why, so that I will understand the greater stakes of the, of the narrative. If I happen to end up in a middle episode and have no idea what's going on, because deep space nine did a bad job of that. Once it went into syndication, you never knew where an episode took place at. So it, it is nice. And this is, this is a little bit of a simpler story because it's fine. 13 treasures. Yes. uh, And there's bad black water, but it's nice that they, it's something to think about that same bad guy yeah yeah i mean you can watch these individually and kind of have an idea of what's going on but they give you i'm saying they give you the the cliff notes version so that you can understand the stakes yes. at least kind of vaguely what's happening or what, like, what the world is without being too long my other big thing for this whole episode is that apparently monkey birds don't fight well because every fight scene the person they're fighting just looks like okay this is just really annoying i'm just gonna just gonna swat you away and walk away from this, and you're just gonna stand there. They're not really in any peril. Uh, the only peril is that they don't want to kill the monkey birds, but the monkey birds are just throwing spears off Missing. center. You know, maybe it's a quiet resistance on their part. Maybe, maybe they're just they're still there a little bit. They're not quite full zombie birds. Yeah. Um, and then I have Ren saves the day, and then Tula saves the day. Yep. And that is where my notes end. It's a filler episode. It unlike the previous episode, this they don't even find a treasure, right? No, there's no treasure. There's nothing. This was unneeded. Don't care about Nidler. And you took 23 minutes to tell me a story that you could have told me in three minutes. So unlike the previous one, I the animation was better because there were less glaring errors. But I think the reason that that existed is because I don't think the backgrounds were as good. I don't think the details were as much. There was never the high points of the first season there. And I think it was also helped by, like I said, the... All the monkey birds that we're seeing, uh, because they're stylized, you're like, sure, that's probably how a monkey bird moves. Yeah, this is probably true. There's less glaring errors, yeah. They got such round midsections for a flying critter. Oh, they do. Yeah, that they're, wind section where yeah. they're like flying against the wind where it makes absolutely no sense. But They're very fat for birds, and they're fat for monkeys, too. It's an interesting episode. Yeah. <laughs> Where is it streaming? Ah, we're doing the roundup. Oh, yeah. Where is it streaming? Well, you can buy it from the normal services, but there is no place that it's actually just streaming right now. Very um, sad. So if you really want to watch this, you know, you can buy it from Amazon, you can buy it from Google, you can buy it from Apple, but you'll have to buy it. And I think they're like two ninety nine a piece. I'll do my new feelings first. Do them. Uh, I think I've said most of it. The animation is a problem that is just distracting from what they're trying to do. But many other aspects of the production are very good. And uh, I don't know. It's the, I, I'm, I don't think I'd get into this now, uh, but I could see getting into it at the time. It, f- it feels a lot like the setting of one of those, uh, like the John Carter of Mars, Barzoom, mm. or like yeah. Conan, or those old Tarzan novels where like, once you're into it and you're into the weirdness of it, it's great. And it's like, and it's doing all sorts of weird things, strange things. And once, and like, once you're into it, it's great. But like looking at it from the outside, you say that looks weird or it's not that it looks weird. It looks a little lame from the outside. <laughs> yeah, when, it does uh, I know this show probably suffered. It's funny to think about that. It was the case, but like, if you show me a Robin hood or King Arthur thing, now I'm like, no, thank you. I've seen enough of those. That's for that's for grandpas. And I think pirates were in that same place in the 90s. 
where pirates felt like an old thing, and then pirates got cool again in the 2000s. So these guys also had it was a tough time for them. That's what I think. But that's, that's all strong. I got. Yep. What's your What's your new feelings? I'm disappointed because yeah. I really, really love this as a kid. I was always excited. I can remember a lot of the episodes. I remember, you no, know, they all, there's an episode where they like turn into monkey birds, like mm. Ren turns into a monkey bird and there's like a weird thing for that. Um, but that animation really kills me. Yeah. It's difficult to actually watch. And I watched the first episode too, a couple weeks ago when we first decided we were going to do this. I just could not get back into it. So I won't be watching any more of them, but I'm an adult. I can still accept the fact that I was really fond of this and enjoy those memories while being, you know, not going to watch this again. It is okay to like things that are not perfect. And it is also okay to realize that as a kid, you maybe didn't have the best taste in the world. I don't think any kid does. Uh, no, I definitely did as a kid. <laughs> uh, all right, what's next? I just pulled up the rating thing, so I have it ready to go. Well, we'll talk about toys. Toys. Yeah, you want to go through some of that? I'm writing something down real quick. Yeah, we got a... Look at these Darkwater Hasbro toys. You got a ship, the Wraith Pirate What they ship. offer is cool, but the quality is... Oof. It's, does it look bad? I can't... I'm, I'm just seeing the box, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. They, they look really bad. There's very little effort put into those. They are not yeah, they look good like, moldings. Oh, well, and they just look like uh, they're four points of articulation. You move the arms and legs up. Yes. Because they've got weird shaped feet. They're only going to stand if you move the legs in a certain way. <laughs> that uh, ship's cool, though. Yeah. And you know yeah, what? There's eight figures and one pirate ship. Bloth looks cool. But yeah, these are just very, very bare bones toys. They were released in 1991 even, by Hasbro. Do they even Hasbro. come with any accessories? No. That's, that's a death blow for it for me as a kid. Because like even a lame toy, if it came with something fun... Yeah, like, why don't they have a sword? They spark your, uh, so this guy's got an axe and a sword, but yeah, Bloth, oh, yeah, a couple Bloth of these has do. nothing. Uh, the monkey has nothing. But you know what? That monkey looks pretty cool. <laughs> but it also looks like he might move very little. I think the best figure is Conk. Yeah, it's the, the most accurate. Yeah. All right, and then uh, comics aren't a toy, but I'll allow it. I said books are toys for old people, so. You did. That's why I put them there. Uh, 1991 to 92, a nine-part limited series release Marvel Comics. And then we yeah, got. Yeah, they look okay. And then we got a Super Nintendo and a Sega Genesis game. The yep. SNES was by Sunsoft, Sega Genesis by Team Iguana. And then a role-playing tabletop game, which is very interesting. It is very interesting. You linked that to me. I have to read through it. Yeah, the fan site, again, piratesofdarkwater.net, has the world book posted as well to look through. It's based on AD&D, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. There's no color pictures in it, though. And the cover's going to be a color. But... Talking to 2nd Edition Dungeons & Dragons... It's not a luxury product yet. No, it did it's not, not become not. the the colorful. I don't know when it happened, but some of these drawings are are hilarious though. Because Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Second Edition is from 1987, which would have to be. This is a 1991. Additional fun facts. Give me some of these. Yeah, the series was never created, which is a great fun fact, right? If you're ever going to go and watch this, never um, completed. It, it ends abruptly after yeah, 21 uh, episodes. <laughs> I'm going to stop. You should say that again. He said the series was never created. <laughs> Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, se the series was never completed. Uh, it ends abruptly after 21 episodes with only eight of the 13 treasures collected, which is quite unfortunate for anybody who, you know, might want to pick this up and start watching it. Yeah, it's just a know that it, it, it never wraps up. Yeah, that you're dealing with a uh, Carnival situation here. Yep. You do the next one. The original five-episode miniseries was the most expensive animated project Hanna-Barbera had taken on up to that time. 
with each half-hour episode costing $500,000. Each half-hour episode consisted of 12,000 cells, double the number of a typical Saturday morning cartoon series. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. Even as much as we rag on it, there's effort in there. But yeah, I think um, they it's the I think the focus was in the wrong place. Yeah, the quality control was a little the the backgrounds look great. uh, But if the if the people on top of it don't look good, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Better to have an abstract backgrounds and good-looking characters than the opposite. Um, and in that original miniseries, Roddy McDowell was the voice of Nidler instead of Frank Welker. And McDowell was, you know, Cornelius in the first two Planet of the Apes, then Caesar in the next ones. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. <laughs> From this day on, the world will no longer see monkey birds as slaves, and I was part of that. So I guess that's it. Uh, do you want to rate it? Yeah, let's rate it. Let's do this. You rate it first. All right. You made me go first for Star Trek, and that's the only one I went first. Yeah, for. I'm, I'm looking looking at what what I've given other things here. All right, well, it's not as good as Nightman. It's better than Nightman. <laughs> so I'm gonna give it. I I think I I'm gonna give it an eight and a half because I feel the same way about it that I do about Star Trek Voyager. That it is a uh, it's thing with potential and ideas that doesn't really deliver on them for me. Yeah, I'm doing exactly the same eight and a half because Exo Squad is better than this. Um, and Star Trek Voyager is slightly better than this. This is on the level of diagnosis murder for me. Okay. And is it nastier than Wolf Bronski? Uh, ain't nothing nastier than Wolf Bronski. I'm going to say that Bloth is nastier than Wolf Bronski. I think it fits appropriately. This is a good one. There are some sloppy, gross-looking dudes. The The bad guy pirates are unpleasant to look at in a way that I appreciate strongly. So I'm going to say yeah. yes. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. Let's go with the yes. That's good. I was, was, it's been a while since we had something nastier than Wolf Bronski. It has been, yeah. <laughs> That's good. I like to see a little a little slop in my team. I mean, the animation takes it in that direction anyway, so it's perfect. And then, actually, we can talk about next episode. We are going to finally cover a game show. Yeah. We got to figure out the format for that. Uh, the format will definitely be different. It's got to kind of encompass what we're thinking. Well, we're doing Double Dare. We're going to get to talk about Double Dare, and we think we'll encompass all of the Double Dares and kind of go into the history and a little bit of that stuff. So hopefully, you know, you'll still be interested to listen in the change of format for our game shows, because there's no way the game shows can be in the same format. This is a bit of a well-tested game show, but I'm hoping to get dig a little deeper on some of the weirder ones in the future. But this, this way, we can figure out how we want to do it with something that's easy to research. And yeah. then we can do things that are a little more difficult, because, man, I'd love to talk about Masters of the Maze and Funhouse. Well, those just might be in one single episode together. And uh, Video Power and Nick Arcade. Yeah, you can yeah, pick things that go so together. Uh, yeah, but... absolutely. But yeah, next time on 90 Schmaltz, we'll be talking about Double Dare. Yeah, okay, let me... Uh... While he sets that up, as always, you can find us at www.90schmaltz.cool and questions or comments or anything you'd like to share with us send word over to 90schmaltz at gmail.com and don't forget to rate see you next time that's the end of that (laughs) 